Episode 94 is devoted to HumanWare's new line of brilliant refreshable braille displays. I'll speak with Andrew Flaters and Peter Tusick from HumanWare about these new devices and what they offer, and then I'll give you a comprehensive review of the brilliant BI-20X from HumanWare. Ah, memories, memories. Back in 2004, I was sitting in my office in what was then known as Pulse Data International's headquarters in Christchurch here in New Zealand, where I was responsible for all the blindness products internationally. And we were introducing a new line of Braille displays and looking for a memorable name. And naming products was one of my favorite things about being a product manager. And then the name Brilliant popped into my head. Nothing like a good pun, and so brilliant it was. The brilliant line has evolved over the years, and Humanware is about to release a new series of brilliant displays uh, with some features and an attractive form factor that really will, I think, make this a standout product. Humanware has been kind enough to send me a review unit, and I'll be taking you through that review shortly. But first... Let's hear from a couple of people from Humanware to talk with us about Brilliant. We've got Andrew Flaters, who is Humanware's Brilliant product manager, and he's in the UK. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Marvellous. And Peter Tusick is here as well. He's the Braille ambassador at Humanware based out of the United States. Great to have you here too, Peter. Jonathan, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having us on. All right. So let's uh, go through the elevator pitch. Can I start with you first, Andrew? This new Brilliant line, what makes it stand out in your view? Um, well, it really stands out because we're introducing smart capabilities on, on a Braille display. So we understand that uh, with technology going forward and advancing, our needs change. So as part of uh, users' needs change, we look at doing more tasks. We want to be more productive than just connecting a Braille display to a screen reader. So what we've introduced is more intelligence into the device, Um with the production tools from Keysoft Lite. Now, am I correct in saying, before we get on to some of that intelligence, that your previous baby, Brilliant, that was just 14 cells, right? And now you've moved to 20. That's correct, Jonathan. I mean, the Brilliant BI-14 was HumanWare's first introduction to uh, a smart Braille display. And that really gave us a taste of what really users in, in the market want. And we've learned a lot from the Brilliant BI-14, and we've adapted what we've learned from that, along with our predecessor Braille displays, onto our new Brilliant BI-X series. Why go from 14 to 20 cells? Is that some feedback that you received, that 14 was just a little bit constraining? I think that many people did ask that question about why do we only include 14 cells? And those that have used to having the 14 cell display, there was room to add more cells. Um, so really, I guess the 20 was uh, a number to round it up. Um, but um, I mean, there's a lot of displays to choose from out there and they range from uh, from 14 to you even have 18 cells and so on. So 20 sounded like a good number. Peter, it occurs to me that with 20 cells, this could be somebody's primary Braille display. I think when you get to 14, you know that you're really going to use that predominantly for things like text messaging, mobile things. But with 20, people can get by with, with that device, do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you're, you're spot on in terms of a 14-cell display. You think of it as spot reading or a second door, secondary sort of uh, device, right? You're you're kind of supplementing um, in in certain spots. Whereas here, you are looking at continuous reading is no problem. You're getting an average four-ish words on that braille display uh, when reading in contracted braille. If you're kind of in writing and referring to content, a lot of times we use these displays to create things internally, which Andrew will talk about. Uh, but when we're doing that, it's not a matter of hitting your thumb key twelve times to get back up to the previous line or two. So it, it certainly is no question there that somebody would be able to use this as a primary braille display. Let's talk about some of that intelligence. And Andrew, I'll put it back to you. There has been this gradual blurring, I think, over the years of the lines between what comes built in to a braille display and what you get with a note taker product. Is that a challenge for you as a product manager? How do you make the call about the features that end up on a much cheaper product like the Brilliant and what features stay on your, I guess, premier line, the Braille Note Touch? Yes, a very good question indeed. And this uh, this is a very challenging time for, for Braille displays and, and note takers. But we do um, stand by the, 
the need for differences. There's a lot of users out there that just will not go to a full-pledged note taker, that they don't want to have all the, the bells and whistles of connecting to the internet on a standalone device or have their own email facility. So this is um, the Braille display can accommodate those users that don't necessarily want a whole lot of applications on one device. They're very familiar with using it with a screen reader or adapting a Braille display with uh, an iPhone. But nevertheless, we understand that those users still need more than just that connectivity to a screen reader to make them a little bit more productive. So how do you explain this one, Peter, when you're talking to people about the Braille devices and the range that human wear has and people say, well, really, what is the difference between the brilliant line now as it's about to be and the the full note taker range so it, it it kind of piggybacks on what andrew was saying but really i mean we look at sort of those three levels of technology right you have folks who will use no tech you have folks who will kind of use think of it as low tech um, and and those that will use high tech and this is true i mean if we look at apple we look at any comparable sort of technology companies we have concurrent product lines or concurrent devices out there that will all have different capabilities. Um, the, the a lady is no, no difference, right? Your soup drinker over there. Uh, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when, when we look at the, the feature set, a lot of times we also look at where is somebody at in their, in their journey? Are they a working professional who is using a, a tablet already using a computer, but needs that braille reinforcement. Um, that would be a perfect sort of middle ground type of product. Whereas somebody in education who needs to produce math, who needs to produce science, who needs access to the connected classroom and doesn't have room on the desk for multiple devices, um, would be more in line for a higher end product. So again, you know, when, when we look at this and kind of where we've chosen to go and why we offer it, it's, it is a, and, and it, I don't think of it as a compromise. I think of it more as a, a solution based on where you are in your needs and in your journey. Uh, being able to have that middle ground without obviously paying that, that, that price for the premium note taker, but also just having all of those other features that you may never use. I talk to many individuals who say, gosh, I love my Braille Note Touch Plus, but I only use the word processor and, and I connect it to my iPhone. You know, and that's really what we're looking for is how do we, how do we help those individuals, uh, get a Braille product that is going to be extremely functional for them and, and add a lot of usability to it, right? So adding the Wi-Fi connectivity, which we'll touch on and such. I mean, it, it really is a very nice middle ground and we want to keep our users happy and give them options on different, both Braille sizes, sizes of Braille displays, as well as the feature set that's offered. So let's talk about what is offered on the Brilliant line with these new devices. What can we expect when we boot the machine up? And we'll demonstrate this soon, of course. But Andrew, talk us through some of the key features. Certainly. So the, the main um, user interface that the user will be using or interacting is Keysoft Lite. So this is an adaption from our well-known Keysoft environment from our note takers. And the reason behind the Keysoft is to, to get people in that familiarization of able to transition from any previous um, um, Keysoft enabled device to one of our newer uh, displays, for example. So we'll introduce an editor program called Keypad. Uh, in the Keypad, this will allow you to create uh, documents. It will allow you to uh, read it in your preferred reading Braille grade. So we do have an onboard Braille translation available that will support Duxbury and the Bluey tables. Um, you can also save your documents. And when you are saving your documents, you'll be saving them in a TXT, giving you the capabilities of directly working in a Braille environment, but then saving it in a text um, a text file that they could then send to um, sighted peers. So in addition to uh, the editor, uh, we have an onboard calculator that will allow you to, to perform some basic equations. Uh, we'll have the Braille terminal, of course, and this is the primary device that or tool that you'd use to connect to screen readers, uh, such as your voiceover or JAWS. Uh, we have an onboard file management system. So as we've got internal uh, memory, internal storage on the device, we can save contents directly on the device and we can manage those files. So uh, create some new folders. We can copy files from 
uh, external drive, such as an SD card or a USB, and even transferring files to and from a computer, even when connected to your screen reader. One real benefit of this is that you could perhaps use your browser display with a screen reader and you're preparing for a meeting ahead and you need to um, save some files directly on the device so that you can read them during the meeting. And that's something that you can achieve still with the screen reader running in the background. In addition to the file manager, we have a Victor Reader application and um, everyone knows the, the name of Victor Reader. And what Victor Reader gives you is the ability to read daisy books and and all kinds of different books from that, that matter and all types of file formats. So we're not talking just about BRAL files or BRL files. We can uh, open docx files, doc, txt files, html and daisy files all on this uh, one device and you can benefit from daisy navigation. But the Victor Reader app really comes to life when you're using the participating libraries um, that are available on our device. So you do have, have as a user the ability to connect to libraries such as Bookshare, NLS Bard, NFB Newsline, and download those books to the device and read them at a later date if you wish. And many more libraries will start to be introduced into our display. So the likes of the RNIB reading services and other international libraries as well, we will be looking to introduce um, in this device. Very impressive. And the product manager geek in me uh, claps my hands at the uh, use of familiar humanware brands like Keysoft Lite and Victor Reader. That makes perfect sense. Can I ask you about cloud storage? You were talking about the ability to transfer files. And I do like the way that the Bradient comes up as a drive uh, in Windows, and it's really slick to just copy to and from. Would you consider potentially implementing Dropbox or OneDrive or Google Drive so that um, with that Wi-Fi connectivity that the device offers, you'd be able to retrieve material from the cloud? A great suggestion. And this is something that we will be looking um, going forward is how we can further uh, introduce more benefits to our end users, you know, utilizing the Wi-Fi capabilities. Um, that is something that we will be looking into um, of this year for sure. Um, I can't give you guarantees, but that's something we will be looking at to introduce. As I think about that question, because it is a great question. And when we look at assessing the need of that professional user, right? That's a perfect sort of scenario for somebody, the need to access cloud storage for that type of, of, of user who would be using this sort of device. So it's certainly something that we're very open to and, and really it's a, it's a wonderful suggestion. One of the things that intrigues me most about the device at the moment is that there is this headphone jack and volume controls. What's in store? Are you able to tell us any more about what you intend to do audio-wise with the device? So both on the BI-20X and the 40X, we have hardware that's been provisioned for future enhancements such as audio capabilities. Uh, when we look at the 20X, we do have a onboard mono speaker as well, but also an audio jack. But when we talk about the 40X, we actually have stereo speakers as well on board, as well as the, uh, the audio jack. Uh, from the first uh, day of launch, we will not support audio. Um, this will uh, not be activated. But going forward, we will be looking at um, audio support of some kind. Now, audio can have a wide spectrum of what is audio. So it could mean audible books. It could be an NLS barred audio books, uh, MP3. So there's a wide range of different um, audio capabilities that this device could support. Um, but going forward, it's certainly something we will be looking into again. So audio, meaning the ability to play back MP3 files, uh, WAV files, some standard audio files is certainly what we'd be initially looking at, which then will open up doors for future access to online libraries that support audio books as well. Like the, the potential of Audible or Endless Bar, that's something we need to look at going forward. But we, we want to tackle and, ca and cater for everyone's needs because we know from our studies and feedbacks that not everyone references to browse straight away that they do like to mix and uh with with audio as well so that's something we're going to take on board going forward and look at what type of audio support we will introduce but that's something that will happen it's not a case of if it certainly will happen um, we've got the hardware ready for that and it's just a matter of pushing out a future enhancement 
Yes, I can imagine Daisy Audio was a natural fit with the specialized libraries for the blind that are out there around the world. So can I just be clear, this is about playing back recorded audio, but there would not be a time where you would envisage adding text to speech to this device? So again, a good question, and many people are, are sort of questioning, is, is text-to-speech going to be available? Um, this is another thing that, um, again, is achievable and can be achievable, but I don't like to give promises <laughs> on recorded uh, stations, Jonathan. So, But it is something, <laughs> again, that we will, we will continue to monitor um, the needs. Uh, that's something that we are looking into, but certainly we have the capabilities on both the, the 20X and the 40X, for sure. Jonathan, if anybody was going to get an answer out of him, it could have been you, and he didn't crack. So we we definitely yeah. are just going to have to play the waiting game on that one. <laughs> this reminds me why it's so much better being on this side of the interview than the other side of the interview, you see. <laughs> now, I want to ask you another interesting one. Last year, I reviewed and ended up actually buying a Mantis Q40, which is built by Humanware for APH, and it's sold by Humanware outside the United States. Although the functions are understandably branded differently, you know, you're calling the editor Keysoft Lite and the book reader Victor Reader, the um, software at the moment on the Bradiant is quite similar. How much do you expect those things to diversify over time? In other words, if something comes to the Bradiant line that is achievable on the Mantis line, is it a given that that will happen, or what, what should the expectations be regarding that? It, it's certainly not a given that if it's uh, coming to a brilliant, it's going to be on, on the Mantis. Uh, the, I mean, the first thing there is the Mantis does not have any audio capabilities, so that would be one of the first many things that would be a differentiator between the Mantis and, and the Braille displays. There are some additional differences uh, from day one, and that includes... The, the ability to customize your menu. So you can, as a user on the 20X and the 40X, customize your menu. So this could be very useful if there are applications that you don't tend to use. Maybe some of the libraries that you don't access, you can turn those off and hide them from the Keysoft-like menu. We've also introduced exam mode. Um, the exam mode will, will lock you into a USB terminal, restricting you access to the internal data. Um, so there is some minor changes going forward. There will be some further changes. So this is, again, a challenge for myself, but something that we will continue to look as part of our uh, our venture going forward. Some of the different needs on a Mantis user and our brilliant browser space users. So eventually we will see some larger differences there. And you don't anticipate, I take it, a QWERTY version of the brilliant. <laughs> Um, given given that the uh, the Mantis Q40 is is there already in the market with APH and of course the backing of Humanware, um, we don't or we don't foresee a, a new uh, Braille display with a QWERTY keyboard is is required at this stage. Okay. Now I understand that there's quite a good deal initially for people who might be looking at buying one of these new devices and perhaps who can't decide whether they want the 40 or the 20. The current promotion that we we have in place is the the buy fifty four cells for the price of forty, and um, this offer will end very shortly. In fact, so um, the idea behind this is that the user who would like to buy a, a new braille display, whether it's, it has to be a forty, this offer only applies to the brilliant forty. By the way, Jonathan, is um, they will get a free brilliant bi fourteen. Uh, in the interim okay. of the release of the of the uh, forty, so that that is the idea behind that, and that's only available um, in Australia, uh, New Zealand, and uh, America. Oh well, very good. And so that is the new Brilliant forty, or the previous model that that applies to. That's the new Brilliant BI forty. Yeah, for those that uh, are looking into a Brilliant BI forty. Uh, it's a fantastic offer because you get the free Brilliant BI 14 uh, in your hands. And then the BI 40, once it becomes available, will be sent to you. And you'll still have your um, your your statutory rights of um, 30 days 
of return. So if you're not happy with the 40, um, you have 30 days then to to decide. And if you're not happy, you can return the 40, but you'd also have to, of course, return the 14. Um, so it's a fantastic offer. And it not only gives you free Brilliant 14, you've actually got um, additional value there because you get an additional one-year warranty. So that gives you three years in total of warranty. And um, the cost of the Brilliant BI 40 with this offer is at 2,995 US dollars. And um, I can disclose that the new Brilliant BI 40 price is in fact 3,195. So you're getting further value and a further discount when you take up on this, uh, this promotional offer, which is ending very shortly. When is the new Brilliant range going to be available? So the new Brilliant BIX series uh, will be available from 18th of January. Oh, gosh. Okay. So that's next week. Okay. So this will go to where <laughs> after that. Okay. So I um, that's that's good. All right. So we'll, um, I'll try and get this out as quickly as possible after that date then. Um, okay. Just make a note of that. Okay. Peter, as a user of these new brow display devices, what's your overall impression? It's it's kind of hard, Jonathan. Right, I wear a human wear hat, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash anything in front of the product manager. Right, that would be bad. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do that anyway, though. It really is as somebody who has used refreshable Braille displays uh, for for the last twenty plus years. Um, you know, I I I think not only the product, just the the feel of the keys, the typing, all of that being consistent. It's it's the feature set. I have used the software since early last year. So since early 2020 uh, with kind of that, you know, in, in using the Mantis and using the BI-40 over the last little while, I find that just the intelligence, especially in the 40 with Bluetooth 5, I am somebody who is an avid reader. I read lots of books, lots and lots of books in Braille and doing so is it, it's so comfortable on the device. The other piece is with that Bluetooth 5.0, having the ability to quickly check a text message while my phone is charging uh, downstairs, right? Uh, while I'm sitting on the couch is fantastic as well. So knowing I can wake my, my phone up from far away, check it and and such. And obviously it's a, it's kind of a unique use case. You're not going to be looking to use your phone from far, far away all the time, but Bluetooth 5 gives you that ability. And I think just as a user, we're seeing more consistency, both in the pairing. We know that there have been displays, ours included, over the years that have had trouble with this. Um, and this has really solidified that. So a, a much better connection and then just a seamless experience bringing in that functionality. Also, the the way we pair the device, uh, we were able to do that with the new HIT protocol, the new HID protocol through Apple. So we just pair it as though it were any Bluetooth peripheral, um, doing it right from within settings. It's fantastic. Instead of kind of walking someone through the, the long-winded process of going into voiceover and Braille and such, it's nice that it's showing up like any other device. You know, we talk about inclusion and just that sort of universal access point. So I, I find it to be awesome. It's new. It's fun. And I'm really excited just for the longevity of the product. We've had the previous Brilliant line out for over 10 years. And so this is going to be the beginning of this new era, this new decade, um, kind of, of bringing this product forward into, into a connected world. You're supporting a range of devices. Is there Android support at this point? Um, so as Android do not support the the new Braille HID protocol, um, unfortunately, no, the, the Brilliant BIX is unable to be compatible with the Android at this current uh, stage. But going forward, we do know that um, Google will be introducing the new Braille HID protocol, which then will uh, allow our devices to be connected um, through the, the new Braille HID protocol. What are the advantages of that protocol on a Braille device? I, I understand them inherently with a QWERTY keyboard because obviously you can connect and it appears as a, just a regular QWERTY keyboard. How does that work in a Braille input context? So from the Braille side of things, it, it really allows manufacturers like, like HumanWare to, to bring up um, or bring out Braille displays and 
would not then need to rely on the likes of Apple or Microsoft to to get the support of those drivers into the screen readers. It's a case of like a, a standard keyboard where you can plug and play. And, and this was the whole idea with all of the manufacturers of brow manufacturers and Google and Apple to come together to bring in a, a one standard that will allow Braille displays to connect and work seamlessly without any additional drivers or input from the um, from the screen reader side. And uh, and I know for working with the the Brainly Bi twenty and the forty, working with the new HID protocol, which Apple were the only ones that supported it. It's actually been great, a great experience because um, any slight changes that we have made, maybe it's the name change, we know that it works very well. We don't have to uh, wait until it's fixed on the Apple side at times. Yeah. How's that going? Is Apple supporting it correctly? Because one of the things I've found both as I've had a look at the Brilliant and the Mantis for that matter is that the number of keys you can configure, uh, the number of functions you can configure under the Braille commands, for example, are quite limited at the moment. Is that just something that Apple will address that they need to fix? Uh, most definitely. And then this is really a, a learning curve for everyone because our displays are probably one of the first at uh, supporting the new HID standard. Um, there's not many displays out there that are supporting this. And certainly when we looked at the Mantis, it was a challenge. And we noticed that there were some issues with the new Braille HID standard that needed to be addressed. And Apple have been very... Uh, responsive in that uh, in that matter. So going forward, we we are aware that there are some uh, minor uh, minor things that need to be addressed, but Apple are certainly um, assisting us on, on on those going forward. And we'll get into the review of this in a moment. But is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to mention in particular? Yes, actually, uh, just some of the, uh, the some of the differences, um, if that's okay, Jonathan, on the difference between the four TX and the the BI20X. So although they're part of a series, uh, there are some uh, hardware differences that I certainly would like to um, to, to mention. Um, the first being, so the 40X, so we do have a USB that allows you to plug in a, a thumb drive. The 40X does not have the SD card slot. Um, it does have a large amount of internal storage. So it has 32 gigabyte of internal storage. Uh, it has stereo speakers. It also has a microphone, and as we mentioned, that the microphone and the the, the speakers uh, are not going to be active on launch, but that's something we will we will look to advance in the future. We have Bluetooth five, and Bluetooth five uh, initially will give us the a stronger and a more reliable connection. Um, as Peter was saying, it certainly works at a larger distance, but also that could open up doors future for things like internet uh, over things. You know, we talk about connecting to other smart devices to get data. This this Bluetooth 5 does open up future uh, doors with um, with these displays. Um, and the display, the 40X, will be supported on the 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi and the 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. Um, now, if we look at the 20X, um, we only have mono speaker. We don't have stereo. We have 16 gigabyte of internal data. We've got a USB socket and we've got an SD card slot available, um, but we do not have the uh, the Bluetooth 5. We only have Bluetooth 4.2, which uh, supports 2.4 gigahertz of wireless connection. So that's some of the some of the differences there. I just wanted to uh, to get across, Jonathan. Does the 20 have the microphone as well? The 20 does not have the microphone, no. Okay, right. So there are some real key differences there. Can we go through the pricing then of the 20 and the 40 cell units? Certainly. So the, the Brilliant BI 20X uh, will retail at 1895 US dollars. And the Brilliant BI 40X will retail at 3195 US dollars. Fantastic. Any final thoughts from you, Peter? No, I think Andrew Andrew really uh, got us ready to, to be excited for a new product launch, and I'm just glad to be here and very much appreciate the time and hope everybody gets a chance sooner than later. Um, we, we all hope to see everybody in person. So please find us mm. at a booth near you. You know, we're, We will be coming to a booth or a trade show or a, a conference or a school somewhere near you. We're very hopeful uh, sometime sooner than later, but hopefully this will suffice for now. So thank you so much, Jonathan.
it's always good when you've been working away on a product and testing it and tweaking it and you can finally talk about it. That is a great feeling. So thank you both for being on the podcast. Really appreciate that. What's on your mind? Send an email with a recording of your voice or just write it down. Jonathan at mushroomfm.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. Or phone our listener line. The number in the United States is 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-60-66736. Mosin at Large Podcast. Now I'm going to take you on a tour of the Brailleant BI-20X Braille display from HumanWare. And as we go through the software, you'll notice that there are quite a few similarities between this and the APH Mantis at least at the moment, and those differences may get greater as the products evolve in different directions. So if you've heard the Mantis review, there will be a lot that's similar, but I'm going to go through everything anyway so that each episode stands alone. The first thing that I noticed when I unboxed the BI-20X that HumanWare sent me for this review was that it is really light. It feels like a 14-cell braille display in terms of its weight, and yet it's packing 20 cells in a very compact form factor. You would have no problem or hesitation at all in taking this with you if you want a braille display that's compatible with your iPhone as you move around. In terms of its dimensions, it's 166 millimeters by 100 millimeters by 23 millimeters, and I believe it weighs a little under a pound, so it's a very lightweight device. Seasoned Braille users will be delighted to know that it does come with a case that allows you to use the device around your neck. Many of us who are diehard Braille display users appreciate being able to have the device over your shoulder and then when you get a text message or you want to take a quick note, it's easy to use the device standing up and on your person. Now, it's not the kind of case that you might expect to buy from executive products, usually like a premium leather case. It's a synthetic material, but it seems very sturdy. And also, when you close the case, there's a satisfying snap as it snaps shut and there are magnets that are holding the device in place. I'm going to open the case once again and take you on a tour of the device. First, you've got the eight-key Braille entry keyboard. So this is a Perkins-style keyboard with the dots seven and eight added. And in terms of how it feels, I am going to lower the mic again to get you close to uh, the display and just Braille on it. It's very quiet, and people will appreciate that because there are some Braille displays that are quite clicky. This one is not. It's got a good action on it, but it's also very quiet. So that's going to allow you to Braille at a rapid speed and not worry about whether you're upsetting people with all the noise you're making with your Brailling. So a very nice keyboard on this device. Below the keyboard, you've got your 20 cursor routing buttons. For those not familiar with Braille displays, when you're reading, if you find an error or something that you want to take an action on, you can press one of these cursor router buttons and get the cursor exactly to the point. So there's a cursor router button above each cell. Below the 20 cell refreshable Braille display, you have two space bars. They're sort of centered, but there's a gap in between each one and they don't cover the whole 20 cell Braille display. But I've done a lot of brailing with this in the time that I've been reviewing it, and it seems just fine. It's in the right place to me. Some Braille display manufacturers have taken to placing the spacebar above the refreshable Braille display, which I personally think is an ergonomic disaster and a mistake. So the spacebars are in the right place, and this seems to work. Then we get to the front of the device, and you have the typical humanware arrangement of four thumb keys, and these are programmable. This is the first thing that I do with any thumb key based device. Because I'm a pretty fast braille reader, I have the very left hand thumb key advancing to the next line and the very right hand thumb key going back to the previous line. That's not how they're configured by default. By default, the left hand thumb key is the previous thumb key. The next one is the left thumb key, which pans your braille display to the left. The next thumb key is actually the next thumb key. And then the very right-hand thumb key is the right one. So if you're just reading normally out of the box, you would press that far right-hand thumb key to pan your display 
to the next 20 cells. Changing that is really easy though, and I'll show you how we do that a little bit later in this review. In the middle of this row of thumb keys, there's a round button. It's tactually distinctive because it is a different shape, and that is the home button. When you press that, if you're in terminal mode connected to something, it'll take you to terminal mode where you can choose another device. In all other circumstances, it takes you back to the main menu. On the left-hand side of the device, first there's a USB-A port. With this, you can connect thumb drives and other storage accessories, so it's an easy way to get information off and on the Brilliant. Next to it, as we head towards the rear of the device, but still on the left-hand side, you have a button with a dot on it, and this is the all-important power button. Now, this device is a computer. It has applications on it in addition to the terminal function, so when you power it on, it'll vibrate, and you'll read starting on the braille display and there's this very mesmerizing dot that goes round and round it's <laughs> i quite i quite enjoy watching it spin up and once you have got it booted you can just tap the power button to hibernate the braille display and the moment you tap that power button to wake it up as is typical of braille displays these days it wakes right up immediately and you're back where you left off so that's the power button there on the left-hand side. And after that, you have a USB-C port. This does double duty. It charges the device, and you can use any USB cable or accessory that you want, although a USB charging brick and cable do come with it. Imagine that, a charging brick in your device. What a newfangled idea. And you can also connect it to your computer to use as a drive. And this does work in Windows. I'm not sure that it works on Mac OS, but it certainly works in Windows. When you connect it, it just simply happens. There's no special mode that you have to go into. Your Brilliant will appear as a drive. Now, as a hint about making the most of this feature, if you're going to copy files to and from your Brilliant quite regularly, what I recommend you do is go into File Explorer in Windows, locate the Brilliant when you have it connected, bring up the context menu, by pressing Shift F10 or the application key and pin it to your quick access list in File Explorer. That way it'll be really easy for you to find it when you connect it in future. When you browse the Brilliant with File Explorer, you'll see some stock folders that have been created. First, you'll have to drill down into the media folder to see anything. And if you want to copy a file, you will need to make sure you are in the media folder. In that folder, there are subfolders that have significance. The books folder is where you need to copy a file if you want it to be read in Victor Reader, which we'll talk about later in this review. And the online books folder is where you'll find anything that's been downloaded from a supported repository, such as NFB Newsline or Bookshare. Now, you don't have to choose between whether the Brilliant is acting as a Braille display or a drive. It can do both at the same time and act as a USB braille display for that to work of course your screen reader will have to support this particular version of the brilliant i understand that the latest version of jaws does support it and if you have an older version of jaws you can download drivers that will enable this brilliant to be supported by jaws the documentation also says that nvda and supernova and voiceover on mac and ios are supported on the rear of the device, you have an SD card slot. So there are plenty of ways of getting content on and off this device. You can connect via USB, you can use a thumb drive, you can use an SD card, and of course there's onboard storage for you to transfer to and from. The SD card slot is the only thing on the rear of the unit, but when we go to the right, we see the audio features that we talked about with Andrew and Peter that haven't been implemented yet. So we have a 3.5mm headphone jack, and we also have a volume up and volume down button. Now at the moment, as I produce this in February 2021, these don't perform any function yet, but it's good to see that the hardware is there for some exciting software developments in future. The Brilliant BI-20X boasts Wi-Fi, only 2.4GHz Wi-Fi, unfortunately, and this Wi-Fi can be used to connect to a range of online services. And as we heard in the interview, that range of online services is likely to increase over time. You can also use it to update the firmware as new features are released and bugs are fixed. 
and it comes with Bluetooth 4.2. So you can pair your Brilliant with your iPhone, with your Mac or PC and use it as a Braille display. And indeed, as we start our look at the menu and the features of the Brilliant BI20X, the first option on the menu is called Terminal. And this is probably what most people will use most of the time. It is the function that allows you to use your Brilliant as a Braille display. As is pretty typical, you can activate any item on the menu here by pressing one of the cursor routing keys above the menu option name, or you can press Enter. I'm going to press a cursor routing key above Terminal now. And I have a menu, which is quite simple. The first choice is called Connected Devices. Then there's an Add Bluetooth Device choice. And finally, an item labeled Back, which will take me back to the main menu. I really like this approach actually compared with the Mantis because the Mantis at the moment makes a distinction between Bluetooth and USB, which is just another layer to navigate through that I think is unnecessary. So for example, I'll press enter this time on connected devices. And the first thing I have is the USB connection, which is active at the moment because I have the Bradiant connected to my PC and using it with JAWS. Then the next item is my iPhone 12. And then we have reconnect devices, which is a trick you can do if you're finding that the Bluetooth has become unstable and they're not talking to each other. So there's no distinction between USB and Bluetooth, and I think that's a really good user interface choice. Connection with Bluetooth is okay. Every so often I've found that I have to do the reconnect devices thing, but it's pretty solid once the pairing has been established. I would reiterate the comment I made when I was talking about terminal mode in the Mantis, which is I think it would be beneficial for those of us who need to very quickly and seamlessly switch between devices to be able to hold down, say, the home key and press another key and switch between devices. This is one thing I think that the focus line of Braille Displays really has got right. It is so seamless to switch between any connected device. That said, it is easier to do that on the Brilliant because they're all in one list. And when you press the menu key, you can switch to the next device that you want using first letter navigation. Again, though, one thing that would make that easier is if there were an option, a user interface choice in the settings where you didn't have to press enter if it was an unambiguous command you were executing. For example, my iPhone 12 is called a dozen apples and I only have one device that starts with A. So what I'd like to be able to do is go to the terminal menu and just press A without having to press enter and then connect to that device in terminal mode. I think that would be possible and that would probably be enough for me to say, yes, this is a much more efficient experience. The Brilliant uses the human interface design protocol, the HID protocol for Braille displays that is a joint initiative from various manufacturers and I applaud this. It shouldn't be so complicated to get Braille displays talking to screen readers. We should, as blind customers, be demanding that connecting a Braille display is just as simple and straightforward and effortless as plugging in a keyboard. And it is possible, and we should be urging all screen reader manufacturers and Braille display developers to really just embrace this and stop all the jiggery-pokery with various drivers. So it's good to see that Humanware is embracing this. But it does have some way to go before it's really well implemented by Apple. For example, I found that the ability to customize what the various functions do on the Brilliant in iOS is still quite limited. And I did cover this in the interview where we were talking with Andrew about this. And so it's a work in progress. And I suspect that when we get to iOS 15, we may see some real progress there. It seems to me the sort of thing that Apple may want to deal with to drop in to a major iOS release. We have talked on this podcast before about people who've had all sorts of trouble switching, say, from using a Braille display with Narrator to using a Braille display with JAWS. I think the two approaches of proprietary drivers and the HID protocol can coexist quite nicely. An example of this is text-to-speech in JAWS, where you have various versions of vocalizer voices and eloquence, for that matter, that are proprietary to JAWS. But then you've also got the ability to use any standard SAPI speech engine. So HID 
hopefully will be supported in addition to any value that screen reader manufacturers feel is added by having proprietary drivers. But this seems to be working well as a Braille display in terminal mode. So now I'll go back to the main menu by pressing the home key, the little round button in the middle of the row on the front of the Brilliant, and we'll navigate the menus in various ways. It's good to see that humanware have adhered to conventions that go all the way back to the Versa Braille. For those of us who go back that far, nearly 40 years, which is quite scary. So you can press dot four chord to navigate through menu items, dot one chord to move back. You can also use the thumb keys on the front of the device. The next key will take you forward. The previous key, understandably, will take you back. So if I press the next key now, then the next item that we have on the menu is called editor keypad. I'm going to press enter to choose keypad. And a submenu has popped up. The first choice is Create File. Next is Open File. Then Editor Settings and a Close option. The only thing in Editor Settings is a Confirm Delete option, which I have disabled to make the editor a more fluid experience. The Confirm Delete option just guards you against accidentally deleting text in a document. If you've already been using Keypad, Since you booted the device up, then you will be placed in your document and there are other ways to get to this menu. If I choose create file now, I'm immediately in a blank document. So I can just start typing. This is very similar to working with Microsoft Word, for example, where you open Word and you're immediately in a new document. I'll talk a little bit later about how you determine what grade of Braille you're using here, but it is really well implemented in that regard. You can open Word files, contracted Braille files, and text files, but when you save, it always saves as a text file. The first thing that I'd say is that I would love to see Markdown supported in Keypad. Markdown is an increasingly popular choice in the blind community because it's really easy to verify, even in the most basic of editors, what formatting you're applying. So really there'd be no needed software change other than a recognition of the extensions, which is typically .md. So if Keypad would simply open the .md file and say, okay, this is a plain text file, which is what it is, and it just contains markdown syntax, then that would be a wonderful initiative. My biggest concern with Keypad is the same thing I pointed out when I reviewed the Mantis, and I'll go through this use case for you. Let's say that you've been working on a presentation that you are about to deliver and you've written it in Microsoft Word on your computer. So it's a .docx file and you copy that file onto your Brilliant and you open it up in Keypad and you start to work away. And then you press S chord, which saves the file. What happens at this point is that another version of that file is created with a .txt extension but the .docx file remains. The problem with this is that if you go away and you work on another file in Keypad, and then you press .7 with O, which is like Control-O on a QWERTY keyboard to open the file, the first version of the file you see is the .docx file. It's still there, but it doesn't contain the changes that you just made. You've got to remember to go down to the .txt version, which will be second in the list because they're sorted alphabetically and DOCX comes before TXT, and open that. What happens is if you go and you make another change to your .docx file and save again with S-Cord, you will have overwritten and lost all of the changes that you made before because you opened the wrong version of the file. You opened the .docx file instead of the .txt file. This can cause people a lot of grief, potentially. And I don't know what the answer is, whether it's just adding the converter to save Word files natively so you don't have to do this, or some sort of prompt that asks you, once you press that S chord to save the file with some changes, it could say to you, do you want to delete the .docx version? which I think is probably the most pragmatic way to go. And you can choose to delete or not delete as you desire. But I think having those two versions there is going to generate a lot of calls to tech support. I've been around long enough 
to have used the very first version of Keysoft on the old Keynote XL back in 1986. And one of the things that Keysoft has always taken pride in is excellent context sensitivity and help based on that context. And there is help available with a context menu throughout the Bradians. You can press M chord for the context menu anywhere to get a menu of choices. For example, when I do that in keypad, first I have the file menu, which generates a submenu. If I press enter to select that submenu, we've got create a file, open a file, and close file, save, which has the hotkey written out there, that is S chord, and then save as, which is backspace with S. There's a read mode, which is space with X. It basically turns off all the editing functions. So you've got a bit of a safe harbor to explore without modifying your file. You can also get to editor settings from this context menu. You can select encoding. And then finally, there's a close option. Now that menu appears before you've opened a file. Once you're in a file, you get a different context menu because the context has changed. I'm just opening a file now, a blog post that I've put on here for experimenting with. I'm in the file now. And of course, you can do a dots one, two, three chord to get to the top of the file, dots four, five, six chord to get to the bottom. These are standard issue Braille commands, and we appreciate that. Now I'm going to press M chord. Now we've got a file menu. Next, though, we have an edit menu. And when we go in here, we see that we can press space with F to find and you can type in whatever grade of Braille you've selected as your default grade of Braille for input. Next, we have a find next function, and that is N chord. Find previous is P chord. You can replace as well, do a search and replace with backspace with F to initiate that process. Keypad has a clipboard, and so we have functions pertaining to that. First is a copy function, and you press space with Y to do that. And you might say, well, why not space with C? Because that has a long-standing rail function that it's quite appropriate not to mess with. But space with X is free, so you can cut text to the clipboard by pressing space with X. And similarly, paste is V chord or space with V. Now, to select text, you press enter with S. And then you can also select all. You can insert some items as well. So this is all detailed in the documentation, obviously, but it is pretty easy to start marking text. Scroll to the end of the passage that you want to mark. Indicate that you've finished marking the block of text, and then you can manipulate that text. You can delete it. You can copy it to the clipboard and send it somewhere else. So this is a pretty good little editor. Let's continue the tour. I'll press the home key to get to the main menu, scroll through terminal and editor, and then we have Victor Reader. Now also, as well as navigating this way, you can use first letter navigation. So if I wanted to get straight to Victor Reader, I can press V followed by enter to get into the application. Victor Reader on the Brilliant supports BRF, PEF, TXT, HTML, DOCX, DAISY, and RTF files. You can also use it with zip files that contain text files. I'm sure that the number of file formats will increase over time with this. For me, a big bonus would be the support of EPUB files because there are places you can buy commercially available EPUB files and to be able to just pop those onto the Bradient and read them in Victor Reader would be sweet. One thing that I think is particularly well done in the Victor Reader application is its ability to navigate heading levels in structured documents. If you're going to use Bookshare, for example, with Victor Reader, I would recommend not downloading the Braille file, but actually instead downloading the DAISY version. This will allow you to easily navigate by whatever structure exists in the document. For example, each chapter in a book might be its own heading level. If you're reading a reference text or something for study, then it's likely that it will be very well structured and the book will have various heading levels and it just makes navigating a breeze. This is also very handy for, say, NFB Newsline publications where you might have the different sections of a newspaper or magazine, say, at heading level 2 and each article at heading level 3. 
Once you've determined what level you want to navigate by, and you can change that at any time, you can press the inner thumb keys to scroll back and forth by the heading levels that you've selected. And it's all inclusive. So for example, if you set heading level one, you will only get heading level one as you navigate. But if you set heading level three, then you'll be seeing heading levels one, two, and three. You can also set bookmarks in a book, which is great. I'd like to see that in Keypad as well, actually, so that you can set different points in the file to come back to. But bookmarks are supported in Victor Reader. And you can also navigate to a specific page or to a percentage in the book. An auto-scrolling feature is available in Keypad and Victor Reader. You press the key combination and the Braille display auto-scrolls without you having to press any thumb key to scroll. And you can set the speed of that scrolling. And again, one of the nice things about this user interface is that the context menu is available throughout Victor Reader. So as you're coming up to speed and maybe you think, oh gosh, there's a where am I command or there's a highlight bookmark command and I don't remember what it is. It's all available to you from the context menu, so all you really have to know is press M chord when you need a list of commands that are relevant in a given area, and you will get that list. Pressing enter or a cursor routing key when the choice is selected will perform the action. Next on the main menu is the file manager, which on the Brilliant is called Key Files. And this is like File Explorer on your computer or Finder on your Mac. It's quite comprehensive. You can mark a range of files for actions and then bulk, cut, copy and delete them or move them somewhere else. You can create new folders. You can search for files and you can browse the entire device or anything that is connected to it. They've done a really nice job with this. KeyCalc, the calculator, is next. This performs the most commonly required functions in a calculator and you work with this in computer braille. Following that on the main menu, there's an option that displays the current date and time. And then we get to options. I'll choose the options menu. And the first thing we have is user settings. Since the Bradient has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth radios, the first option is an airplane mode. You'll want to make sure that your Bradient is in airplane mode when you're about to take off on a flight. After that, there's an option which determines whether format markers are displayed or not. And then another governing whether the cursor is visible. Next, you can set the display time for system messages. By default, these will disappear after five seconds, but you can make that shorter or longer. And you can make the system message disappear anytime once you've read it by pressing a cursor routing key. Next, you can select how long the device is inactive for before it goes to sleep. It defaults to five minutes. Next, you have a word wrap option. It is on by default, but if you want to maximize your Braille display, real estate, and you don't care about a word spanning multiple Braille lines, you can toggle word wrap to off. There's an option set to on by default that condenses blank lines. The confirm delete option is next. This is one of two identically named choices. You'll find the other one in the settings for the editor. In this case, it applies to the file manager. Next is an option which determines whether the device should vibrate or not, and another on whether the device should beep. If you press a wrong key or a key that's not assigned to anything, the unit can beep if you like. And then we have the thumb keys configuration. So this is where you can go in and decide which function you want to assign to each of the thumb keys. Next is a choice labeled wireless notifications, and this isn't covered in the user guide that I have for the Bradient at the moment, but I'm assuming that this, when enabled, will tell you when a wireless network is available that you can connect to. Those are all the options on this menu, so we'll go back and look at the next option in options, and it's called Braille Profile. Humanware have done an absolutely brilliant job of making your choice of Braille grade really seamless. So we'll go in here and look at how this works. By default, it is shipping with one Braille profile, but you can configure others if you want to change your profile for various circumstances. The active Braille profile is highlighted with dots 7 and 8 underneath it, and there is only one at the moment, and it is English. To configure it, I press M chord to invoke the context menu. We can delete the Braille profile or configure it. So I'm going to choose configure now, and the first option is the profile name, which is English, and that's fine. I'm going to press the next thumb key to scroll to the next choice, and we have Braille grade. 
and it's currently set to contracted. If I press enter, I can change this. I have contracted braille, computer braille, uncontracted braille. So I'll leave it at contracted braille and press enter to continue. And next we have some choices relating to which braille table you want to use for the various options available. So we start with the computer braille table and then we have the uncontracted braille table and the contracted braille table. Now if I go in and have a look at the contracted braille table, even if we confine ourselves to English for the purposes of this review, which is in English or as close as I can get to it anyway, we have a dizzying array of choices. It starts off with English Australia Pre-Unified Duxbury Grade 2. Then we have English UEB Duxbury Grade 2. English US Duxbury Grade 2. English slash American Textbook Distinct Emphasis Duxbury Grade 2. English slash American Textbook Duxbury Grade 2. English slash British Duxbury Grade 2. English slash British Pre-2005 Rules Duxbury Grade 2. English slash Moon Duxbury Grade 2, and English slash South African Pre-Unified Duxbury Grade 2. So that's impressive, and I'm going to keep it on English UEB. We've been using UEB in New Zealand for quite some time. But if you have various Braille requirements, it's really easy to set up these varying profiles to do exactly what you need at any given time. Next on the options menu, we have the options pertaining to Wi-Fi and we can see the Wi-Fi status. When I choose this, I see that I am connected to my network. You can make a new connection. You can launch a connection. You can delete a connection. And there are also some network setting options. You can also import a connection. It is important to say that this isn't going to work for you everywhere because the Bradient doesn't contain a browser. So if you try to connect to, say, a hotel network or some corporate networks that bring up a web page that requires you to authenticate, then you're not going to be able to do that. But standard Wi-Fi networks that are encrypted with an encryption key or public, you can connect to those and use your Brilliant. Next on the options menu are choices pertaining to Bluetooth. You can toggle the Bluetooth radio on and off. You can disconnect the device or delete a paired device if you're not using it anymore. And this is another place that you can add a Bluetooth device. You can also do that from the terminal menu, which is probably a bit more convenient for most people. But I suppose it's possible that in future, there may be functions that are added that do not pertain to terminal mode where this option will make sense. For example, if they do bring text-to-speech to the Brilliant one day, and you can pair a Bluetooth headset with it, then you would not want to go to the terminal menu to do that because it's not a Braille display function. The next option in the options menu will be of interest, I think, to technology instructors, to trainers, to people who want to make the experience as simple as possible. Sometimes it's a good idea to limit the number of choices available when somebody's learning a device and either leave them off if the user has no requirement for them or just roll them out gradually so it's a bit less daunting. So here we can go into a set of options called Main Menu Applications. And essentially, you've got each application listed here and whether it's on or not. So I've got Terminal on, Editor, Keypad on, Victor Reader on, File Manager on, Calculator, KeyCalc on, Date and Time on, Bookshare on, NFB Newsline on, NLS BARD on, User Guide on, and then there's a Save button. So it's possible to make the menu a lot simpler by turning some of these options off. Next, you can change the region that the Bradient is set for. And after that, we have a feature that Andrew discussed with us. It's the Exam Mode. When exam mode is active, it turns off all of the applications built into the Brilliant and you're left with the terminal mode. So the idea here is that somebody might be taking an exam with a supervisor who can see the screen of the computer that the device is connected to and you don't want the student zipping off into a keypad file or something to look up the answers. You can protect this mode with a password. You can also specify how long exam mode lasts for. And finally, on the options menu, we have an about feature, which tells us the version of the firmware that we're currently running, and we can check for firmware updates. 
Next on the main menu, we're back to the main menu now, we have online services. Because the Brailleance connects to Wi-Fi, it means that it can retrieve items from various repositories. Currently in this menu, we have Bookshare, NFB Newsline, and NLS Bard, which is a service of the Library of Congress in the United States. When you go into each of these sections, you'll need to supply your credentials for the service in question, and then you'll be able to do whatever is appropriate. So if you log in with NFB Newsline, and you have favorites already configured in NFB Newsline, then you can set the Bradient up to download your newspapers every day so that when you're on your commute, you have all the newspapers and magazines that you want to look at. In the case of Bookshare or NLS Bard, you'll want to be able to search by title, by author, by various other criteria, and that will vary depending on the service. As you heard, it's HumanWare's intention to add other libraries around the world. And when you download books or publications from one of these online services, they appear in Victor Reader and you will find them if you browse for them in the online books folder. Next on the main menu, the full Bradient user guide is contained on the device. It's well structured and that means that you can navigate by heading level. You can, of course, use the search functions to find a specific word or phrase that you're interested in. It's good to have the full user guide right there literally, since this is a braille display, at your fingertips. And then we have a power off button. You can also get there by holding down the power button for a few seconds. That is the Brilliant BI-20X at its first release from HumanWare. It's a lovely braille display, light, portable, very capable. The dots feel crisp and clear. It doesn't make too much of a noise either when you scroll from one braille line to another. And as you hear, it's a pretty feature-rich product, even for an initial release. And based on the hardware that is yet to be activated by software on this device, I think there are some pretty significant announcements to come from HumanWare about this product. You can contact your HumanWare distributor for more information, or you can visit HumanWare on the web at humanware.com. And thanks to HumanWare for loaning me a review unit to explore the brilliance. Be the first to know what's coming in the next episode of Mosin at Large. Opt in to the Mosin media list and receive a brief email on what's coming so you can get your contribution in ahead of the show. You can stop receiving emails anytime. To join, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at M-O-S-E-N dot org. Stay in the know with Mosin at Large. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a US number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large.